What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity, in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Here's how the show goes. You hit me up with three to five questions per episode, dealing with anything and everything from morality to spirituality, relationship advice, evangelization, discipleship, catechesis, works of charity, acts of justice. The list will go on. I will then sit with your questions, pray with them, spend time with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that is helpful for you to abide in relationship with God. However, my my disclaimer is this, I'm not perfect, yo. I I am I'm not perfect. I'm a sinner and I'm not infallible. And so therefore every now and then I might give you advice that actually is not really good for you. If that's the case, then I want to encourage you to reject whatever it is that I say that does not help you to become a saint. However, if my advice is helpful though difficult, then I really want to encourage you to lean into Jesus Christ in prayer so that God can give you the grace that you may need over time to fulfill the demands of discipleship and even do that which might be difficult in your path to becoming a saint. If you are a first-time listener, you can hit me up with your own questions at www.ascensionpress.com slash askfatherjosh. That's A-S-K-F-A-T-H-E-R-J-O-S-H. And on that webpage, on my webpage, you can uh, hit me up with your own questions, comments, and critiques of past shows, present shows, future shows, etc. If you also want to help other people find out about the show, then please, please, please share us on your social media pages. You are one of the biggest reasons why people find out about the podcast. So if you could share us on your social media pages, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, etc., that also is a gift. And uh, you can also rate us and review us on iTunes and other um, podcast formats. That also helps others to find out about the show. You can stay in touch with me through a few of my books, Broken and Blessed, which is available at Amazon.com and at CitraPress.com and in many of your local bookstores, uh, Pocket Guide to Adoration. And I have a new book with Father Mike Schmitz coming out uh, in a few months called Pocket Guide to the Sacrament of Reconciliation. It's all about confessions, just when I thought I said everything. It's all about confession. So uh, if you want to uh, fall ever more in love with that sacrament that God gave us, then Definitely cop that book uh, when it comes out in in a little little while. And uh, yeah, that's really cool. Today's show, what are our topics? We're going to talk about today, forgiveness after an affair. Um, This is, whenever I get these questions, my heart breaks. And so I spend a lot of time praying with this question. uh, And hopefully I can share some advice, some wisdom that will be um, beneficial. Uh, We're also going to talk about the universal call to holiness, our called to becoming saints and are there different levels of heaven for those of us who choose a state of life vocation and finally we're going to discuss the role of an rcia the right of christian initiation for adults the role of an rcia sponsor is there anything specific men and women should be aware of who are accompanying uh, our catechumens and our candidates but before we get into those really really good topics i want to share with you some glory stories First glory story is this. I'm looking for my cat right now, y'all. I got a cat. 
uh, I think I've talked about Frances on the show before. I, I oh, there she is. See, she heard her name and she's moving now. Uh oh. Yeah. So she's just chilling right now. She was outside. She's now inside, and uh, she's just great. She really loves Jesus. She loves to go to adoration, and um, yeah, she's she's been a great gift to me. But yeah, glory stories. Sorry. Uh, uh, a few things. One. Just super excited about persecution. Uh, one of my friends was telling me about um, an acquaintance of his who did some ministry in China with the underground church. And one of his friends, I think this is how the story goes, his friend was was praying with some of the disciples of Jesus Christ in China who are in the underground church. And he began to pray like, oh, God, you know, please like help them to not be persecuted anymore. And they're like, whoa, 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 hold up, bro. Slow down. Slow your roll. Slow your roll, son. We never said we didn't want to be persecuted because... Uh, blessed are those who are persecuted. They were basically saying that like, ever since they've been persecuted, they've been like radical in their discipleship of Jesus Christ. And they don't want to be mediocre. Uh, it, it's so often is the case. If you look around the world, wherever there's like been communist persecution or, or persecution from just government leaders or whoever, um, that's typically whenever the greatest saints are formed. In the early church, whenever the, the disciples, the Christians, the Catholics are being uh, imprisoned and abused and tortured and killed, like that's whenever they work the greatest miracles. And so like the same is true in the underground church in China. Like there are some disciples of Jesus Christ who, because they're persecuted and they've been faithful to God and they're persecution they are just manifesting the gifts of the holy spirit but uh, francis is jumping around right now you see francis you better calm down don't be biting my don't be messing up my furniture so yeah um yeah so just uh uh, I just thought it was so cool because he was saying that um, some of these Christians, like the children are so holy in the underground church in China these Catholics uh, that they are like literally walking on water like biblical stuff, Acts of the Apostles type stuff. Jesus Christ said you would do greater miracles than these. So uh, they are manifesting those miracles over there. And so, yeah, it's just so beautiful to see how God always brings a greater good um, out of evil. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to bring Francis outside real quick because her her bells are ringing a lot and I might be disturbing you from paying attention. So I'm going to take her outside and I'll continue the podcast in a few seconds. Hold up real quick. I'm back. I had to put my cat outside. She was she was moving around a little bit too much. But uh, yeah, you know, growing up I had dogs. But uh, man, this cat is so cool. She's so so chill. She's so cool. Uh, but yeah, and the other just like glory story. A few of them is one again. Follow Mike Schmitz. I'm just so proud of my brother. Like that Bible in a Year podcast is awesome. He's doing such a great job and uh, helping so many people, especially like in these times we're living in right now, which are just kind of crazy. And a lot of people are giving into a lot of vices, especially I'm seeing on social media with regards to wrath and unjust anger, irrational anger and, um, and envy and pride and so many other vices that are just so operative right now. And it's just cool to have more resources for people to go to, to like, man, just immerse ourselves in the word of God. The more time we spend with the Bible, the better we're, we're going to be as, as, as Christians, the more happier we're going to be in Psalm one. It says, uh, King David wrote in Psalm one that like blessed is the man who like meditates on the law of the Lord day and night. Uh, <laughs> blessed is synonymous with happy. 
So if you want to be happy, if you're like, man, I'm not super happy right now, then go read the Word of God day and night. And if you need help reading the Word of God, check out the Bible in your podcast for real, though. And uh, that's it's just such a gift to the church. I just it is so cool that Jeff Cavins and Father Mike Schmitz and Ascension uh, released that great podcast for, for this this year. And finally, my last glory story is I just I am so grateful for sacramentals. I don't know if you got uh, exercise, salt, and water in your homes or in your church communities, but if you do. I want to encourage you to use them, wear your scapulars, have your rosaries and your medals blessed. I'm telling you, it's good. It's really, really good. So uh, don't downplay the sacramentals at all. I do a lot of work of evangelization. I'm very invested in a lot of work of with regards to, to justice and reforms of practices and policies and and. I want you to know that salt that is blessed and that water that is blessed, uh, those metals, they are very powerful. God uses them. He really does to bring about some really, really good things for people who love him. So just heads up, uh, respect the sacramentals and use them as often as possible daily, 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 daily. So those, those are my glory stories is is uh, Father Mike Schmidt's Bible in your podcast, uh, the sacramentals and just uh, rejoicing in some of the good things that are happening to our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world, how they are just flourishing and uh, discipleship and manifesting the gifts of the Spirit uh, in their walk toward eternity. In the midst of their persecution, of course. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and get into our feedback before we get into our first topic. Feedback comes in from Pablo. Pablo writes this, uh, Father Josh your patience in delivering substance on difficult topics and relatability have been blessings um, I'll struggle to describe as long as I live. I truly enjoy your personality, reminding me to own the quirks I myself have. These are, in fact, what make us unrepeatable and indispensable. Uh, because of this podcast and many realizations I've come through praying over them weekly, often more than once, the entire community of faith around me seems to have strengthened and multiplied around me uh, through no doing of my own. I often feel inspired to share with friends what your weekly topics are, and they provide great roundtable discussions for young adult men with whom I've been wanting to dive into my faith with for years. I'm eager to live each day, taking me inches closer toward eternity and sainthood. Yep, praise God. Enjoying the purifying trials of life. Yeah, you enjoy them. <laughs> uh, they sometimes are enjoyable and sometimes they are not that enjoyable, but we need them nonetheless. Uh, your witness to the salvific calling of discipleship has inspired me to own and revere the faith in multiple arenas of my very life. Know of my prayers for you and of the many hearts you have transformed, Pablo. Pablo, dude, thank you so much uh, for your words of encouragement. They, uh, they're just good. They're good for me to 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 hear, so that I can just be reminded of the platform God has given me to inspire other saints. Not to not only be a saint, but to really to 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 work to inspire the saints. Gosh, we are called to be saints and. Man, I hope we make it. I hope we make it. I hope we make it because, um, yeah, I just long for heaven for not only me, but for you and for all of us. I long for heaven. So heaven is worth it. And with that being said, let's hit the music as we jump into our first topic. 
All right. Our first topic of the day comes in from Jeff. Uh, Jeff asked about the role of an RCIA sponsor. Dear Father Josh, I was recently blessed. I was blessed. I was blessed with the opportunity to be a sponsor for a young man who is going through RCIA, the Rite of Christianist Initiation for Adults, this year. What do you think makes an excellent sponsor and what should be my top priorities in this role? There is actually, Jeff, um, a specific role for RCIA sponsors that the church invites us to reflect upon. In RCIA 75.2, we read this. As they become familiar with the Christian way of life and are helped by the example and support of sponsors, godparents, and the entire Christian community, the catechumens learn to turn more readily to God in prayer to bear witness to the faith, and all things to keep their hopes set on Christ, to follow inspiration in their deeds, and to practice love of neighbor, even at the cost of self-renunciation. So, practically, what does this look like? Well, in order to be helped by an example of somebody, we need that person to be present to us. So, number one is, I would invite you to like, hey, show up. Show up to the classes, show up to the masses to worship God uh, with your brothers and sisters who are journeying to the faith that Jesus Christ founded 2,000 years ago, right? Um, be present. Right? The only way we can witness to prayer and to the supernatural inspirations and deeds and to love of neighbor is if we are first present. So just show up. You don't have to know everything about the church, but you should um, uh, want. You should abide in communion with the church, Right. Um, and you should show up. So that's the first thing you show up, just like prayer, right? What's the first rule of prayer is you show up to prayer. So the first rule is show up. Number two is to actually pray. Uh, pray, uh, abide in a relationship with Jesus Christ yourself. Uh, be faithful to God. We're not asking you to be a monk or a nun and have a, a rule of life that is comparable to somebody who lives uh, in a monastery or in a convent, but we are asking that you do have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and that you do spend time with God every day in prayer, whether that's 10 minutes or 15 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour, to give God time in prayer every day in the way that you pray best. You might pray best with music. You might pray best with uh, the devotional, such as the Rosary or Divine Mercy Chaplet. You might pray best with your imagination and prayer with scripture, Lexio Divina, or in silence before the Blessed Sacrament. Be faithful to prayer, number one. Number two, uh, spend some of your time in prayer interceding for the candidates and catechumens um, as they uh, prepare to enter the fullness of the sacramental life of the church. Uh, it doesn't have to be long hours of intercessory prayer, but just offer up little penances here and there, fast here and there, Hail Marys here and there. And finally, be a witness of that prayer. Again, like be available to them, be accessible to them, and allow them to see you pray. Sometimes we learn best from watching other people. Uh, I know that's how I am. I learn from from doing things, from, from being a part of something. And so whenever I see someone else do a thing, I learn better hands-on visual uh, than I do just about reading about something. So yeah, um, be present to them and show them how you pray before and after meals. Uh, show up to mass 10 minutes early, stay 10 minutes late to spend time before the tabernacle to show them how you spend time with Jesus and how you prioritize the Lord. Um, just uh, be a witness of prayer as well. Number two, be aware 
of that which is supernatural in your life and try to point out um, that to them um, in their lives as they um, enter into the sacramental life of the church, especially for those who are already baptized, to see how the charisms might already be operative in their lives. So number one, that which is supernatural could be internal, their virtues, your virtues. So like Pay attention to patience and kindness and gentleness and generosity, to humility, to diligence, to all the virtues, right? And be able to help them to see where you are witnessing them grow in their virtues and where you um, can also show them in your own own life what virtues you've been noticing um, have been operative lately. And then also just be aware of that, which is external also. Uh, Are people having conversions since they've given their life to this journey to walking with Christ, to to choosing the sacraments um, as their way to perfection? So just encourage them and invite them to be aware of of external things happening uh, in their lives. And finally, love of neighbor. This is where it gets really messy, right? Uh, The church is messy. G.K. Chesterton joined the church Uh, the Catholic Church, because whenever he was church hopping, uh, he would go to Protestant ecclesial communities and he would always leave his umbrella outside. And whenever he walked outside after those services, the umbrella was still there. Whenever he went to a Catholic church, he left his umbrella outside and guess what? It was gone. Somebody stole it. And that's whenever he knew this is where he belonged because there were other sinners who were worshiping God there too. So um, help the catechumens and candidates that you walk with to uh, be aware that the people that are going to be in the pews in front of them and behind them and beside them are sinners. That's why at every single Mass, we say, I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have sinned. The priest says that. The nuns say that. The religious say that. The laity say that. The kids say that. The old people say that. We are all a bunch of sinners who want to become saints and are called to be saints, but yet and still we are broken and imperfect. And so show them through your love of neighbor that, hey, look, God doesn't give up on us. Jesus Christ did not give up on the apostles. He does not give up on us. So how can we give up on each other? Whenever the church messed up, then Jesus Christ continued to abide with the church until she got her stuff together. And so he invites us to imitate him and do the same. St. Catherine of Siena even says in a, in a vision, our locution, she heard God the Father say to her, like, look, you cannot love me the way that I love you. That's why I gave you people so that you could do for them what you cannot um, do for me. And so uh, God gives us messy, broken sinners so that we can be uh, be loving to them um, and choose them even whenever they don't choose us. St. Dor- Servant of God, Dorothy Day says uh, this. I love this quote. She says, I only love God as much as I love the person who I love the least. I only love God. Love. Uh, this music soul child. Wait, wait, wait. How's it going? Wait, uh-uh, wait. I got this. That was my jam back in the day. Hold on. Love. There's so many things I've got to tell you, but I'm afraid I don't know how. Cause there's a possibility you look at me. <laughs> Whoa. Anyways, so, uh, That's what I got to say about that. Be a witness of love of God, love of neighbor. And uh, yeah, that is what I think a good RCA sponsor could be, would be for somebody that they are walking with. And if you don't know the answers, you don't have to know the answers, but encourage them to ask. And then you um, search those answers with them. Right. Uh, Yeah. So speaking of some of those servants of gods and saints, our next question comes in from Nico. And it's about the universal call to holiness. 
call, the universal call. Uh, hey, Father, hope you're doing well. I recently learned that those following the priesthood and or religious life have a higher calling. Does this mean that some souls will have more reward, a higher place in heaven than those who do not choose Christ as their bride through the priesthood and our religious life? Has God already set a place in the kingdom for some before they're even born? Are all human souls equal in God's kingdom? After hearing this and knowing that we are called to be as holy as possible, saints, how can we find rest in not choosing the greater of two goods every time? Why not become ascetic monks and make sure we give up our desires to never regret our decisions on earth? Can the humble baker ever reach the holiness of someone like St. Francis or St. Vincent de Paul? Are they both equally happy in heaven? Thank you for your podcast and God bless Nico. Yeah, so uh, this is a really, really good question. So number one, are there levels of heaven? No, negative. But the question you might want to ask is this. Are there degrees of union with God in heaven? Yes, there are. Who is at the top when it comes to these degrees of union with God in heaven? Mm, it's a woman. It's a woman. What was her vocation? Marriage and maternity, motherhood. What was her name? You guessed it. The Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God. All right, so who's the second? Who is the second when it comes to the highest of degrees with union of God in heaven? Ah, that would be a man. And what was his vocation? His vocation was also marriage and uh, paternity. Um, what was his name? St. Joseph, the man that we are celebrating this year. Shout out to Pope Francis. All right, so concerning degrees uh, that we will experience in heaven, it is based on levels of holiness um, that were manifested while we are on earth. So whether a person is a hermit, um, a monk, or a friar, or a sister, or a nun, or a husband, and a father, or a wife, and a mother, or a priest, a pastor, a consecrated virgin, a widow, or a single person, uh, if those individuals, that individual was in a state of grace and loved God and loved neighbor to the best of their ability, avoided the near occasion of sin, fasted and did penance and, um, you know, gave their life to Christ uh, throughout their life, then they will certainly be in a higher degree when it comes to their experience of the kingdom of heaven. If they did not do this, but did repent, like at the very end of their life after living a life of mortal sin, um, on earth, then they would certainly be saved because they repented uh, and they would certainly enter heaven after a period of purification. Because remember, the book of Revelation says that nothing unclean will enter into heaven uh, and, and they would be happy in heaven, but they won't abide uh, to the same degree with God as the Blessed Virgin Mary, um, who abides more than Joseph, who abides more than Therese, right? And so each saint abides according to, to the level that they experienced of of intimacy um, with Jesus while they were on earth. The Bible teaches us, it's in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, verse 27, for the Son of Man will come with his angels in his Father's glory, and then he will repay everyone according to his conduct. And again, St. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, chapter 3, verse 8, the one who plants and the one who waters are equal, and each will receive wages in proportion to his labor, uh, which is pretty cool, right? There's a saint who also shared, uh, told a story, uh, uh, 
that a superior of the Jesuit order um, had shared with him. So St. Alphonsus Maria de Ligori, we all know St. Alphonsus de Ligori told this story. Uh, this is what was shared with him by a superior of the Jesuit order uh, about a different superior who actually appeared to that superior after his death, allegedly, um, and gave a detailed report, <coughs> excuse me, that is not a COVID cough, that's just a cough, uh, about what sort of treatment different people could expect in heaven. And according to that departed superior, the rewards of heaven are not equal for all who enter, but all who enter are equally satisfied. I'll never be satisfied. That's uh, from Hamilton. Uh, to the groom, to the groom, to the groom, to the groom, to the bride, to the bride, to the bride. From your sister, boom, boom. Angelica is always by your side. For your union. All right, so this is what was said, allegedly. Now, I'm in heaven. Philip II, king of Spain, is in heaven as well. We both are enjoying the eternal rewards of paradise. 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 Para, para, paradise. But they're very different for us. My happiness is much greater than his, for it is not like when we were still on earth, for then he was royalty, and I was a commoner. We were as far apart as the earth and the sky, but now it has been reversed. As lowly as I was compared to the king on earth, I now exceed him in glory in heaven. However, we are both happy and our hearts are completely satisfied. So basically, whatever state of life, vocation you choose, if you choose any, uh, don't settle for mediocrity. We need saints in the secular priesthood. We need saints in religious life. We need saints in consecrated life. We need saints in marriage. We need saints. In the end, we need to become saints. My friend, Sarah Denny, she wrote a reflection a number of years ago, and I'm going to share it with you. It's about the need for saints in our time. She said this. She's a, a lay woman, and she wrote this. We need saints that are, aren't afraid to be different. We need saints that don't fit some preconceived notion of holiness or some humanly orchestrated mold of perfection. We need saints that aren't afraid to live in the paradise of Christianity, the kind of saints that don't just pass over suffering but instead choose to faithfully live through it. We need saints that love their families, however dysfunctional they may seem to be. We need saints that aren't afraid to be misunderstood or forgotten and yet understand the pain of Christ when they do feel this way. We need saints who are free to laugh until their sides hurt or cry until they can't cry anymore. We need saints who refuse to rob from others the gift of joy or the gift of suffering. The kinds of saints who live faithfully in the mess of a broken humanity, won over ultimately by love himself. We need saints who aren't afraid to be weak in the eyes of the world while silently building up the world by their prayers and faithfulness in their everyday lives. We need saints who aren't afraid to let prayer and play or prayer and work exist as one and the same. We need saints who have their own likes and dislikes, even when they differ from those closest to them. We don't need another St. Therese or St. John of the Cross. But instead, we need the saints that have been created for this time and place in history. We need saints who allow their relationship with the Lord to be the lens through which they see the world, others, and even themselves. We need saints who are simply trying to be exactly who they are. We need saints who are fully alive, saints who embrace the sacramentality of the present moment. 
Whether that's running in the rain or watching the sunrise, eating s'mores, singing your newborn baby to sleep, or simply washing dishes or driving kids to soccer practice for the hundredth time, we need saints who aren't afraid to learn from children how to see everything as new and beautiful, even the most mundane of activities. We need saints who realize that they stand on the shoulders of giants, constantly being strengthened by the prayers of silent, hidden saints throughout the world. We need saints who are not afraid to be found broken in their weakness. We need saints who are courageous enough to be humble and to offer the gift of themselves tirelessly without ever seeing or understanding the end of such a gift. In all, we need saints who are authentic, who are exactly who and what they've been created to be. We need saints who aren't afraid to be fully human. We need saints. So, that's what we need. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. <laughs> and when we come back, we're going to dive into our final question uh, about forgiveness um, after an affair. Hi, I'm Sonia Corbett, the Bible study evangelista. When I became Catholic, I had a really hard time understanding the role Mary was supposed to play in my life. So I went to her and I told her, I just don't get it. I need your help. And guess what? Mary did just that. She showed me a way to pray that has revolutionized my entire life. Mary has been called the mother of listening. She didn't just hear the word. She knew how to hear it in light of her own relationships, circumstances, and habits. And then she let the word transform her. I realized that I had to share what I was learning about Mary's way of praying with others. So I wrote How to Pray Like Mary, a step-by-step guide to discovering God's voice in the scriptures and letting Him transform your heart. I invite you to learn more about How to Pray Like Mary at ascensionpress.com or on Amazon. And we are back. Quick reminder, you can send me your questions at www.ascensionpress.com slash askfatherjosh, A-S-K-F-A-T-H-E-R-J-O-S-H. And if you're feeling fancy, you can also record a voice note and you can send that to us as well. Please do not forget to rate us and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats so that other people can find out about the show. And you can also share us on your social media pages. All right. Our final question. uh, This is the one I spent a lot of time in prayer with. It comes from Sarah and it's about forgiving after and uh, forgiving an affair. Hi, Father Josh. My husband was having an affair. How do I forgive the betrayal after 35 years of marriage? He showed no remorse, just excuses, and blamed me. I'm so angry and hurt. Side note, 10 months after the discovery, he continued the affair even after I found out. And my husband died of a sudden heart attack. How do I release this pain to our Lord Jesus Christ? I blame myself for my husband's poor behavior. Thank you, Sarah. Okay, Sarah, first of all, I just want to say I'm I'm so sorry. I am so so, so sorry that your husband betrayed you, um, that your husband continued to betray you after you found out. I'm, I'm so sorry. And even though I do not know your husband, um, I will do penance for, for you. Um, and I will offer penance for him. I pray that our Lord Jesus Christ, um, I pray that our Lord Jesus Christ purifies him in purgatory. I pray that, um, I pray that he did repent at some point uh, before his sudden heart attack. But I want you to know um, that I asked Jesus in prayer. Um, and again, I'm not a mystic. I'm not 
infallible my prayer, but I did ask Jesus in prayer before the Blessed Sacrament. I asked Jesus, do you blame Sarah? Because in her email to me, she, she wrote that she blames herself. And I just perceived the Lord say, no, Sarah, you are not responsible for your husband's sinful actions. We, none of us, are ever responsible for someone else's actions. We are accountable for our own actions. Like what he did was so wrong. And the Catechism of the Catholic Church teaches us that when it comes to forgiveness, like we, we can't forget um, the offense of other people. Uh, and if you get sad or mad or angry whenever you think about what he did to you, like that means you're a human being. Does not mean that that you haven't forgiven. Forgiveness is simply praying for his salvation. As a wife, your responsibility is to pray for his salvation. Like that's that's the role of a wife. That's the role of a husband is to pray and fast and do penance for your your partner's salvation. God entrusted him to you for you to help him get to heaven, and uh, and that help it continues. Like that's why we believe in purgatory. We believe that when people are in purgatory, uh, they're being purified by the blood of Jesus Christ. Because again, Revelation says nothing unclean can enter into heaven, and so we pray and we fast and we do penance for souls in purgatory. All of us do. We offer masses for them. We pray our rosaries for them, and so um, the role of a spouse is to help their spouse be completely purified by the blood of Christ. Um, and their journey toward eternity. My my question, I guess, for you is this: You know, do you find it helpful to dwell on his sins against you? Do you experience peace whenever you focus on his betrayal? As I was praying for you, Saint Paul's writings, his words to the church in Philippians chapter four came to my heart. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there's any excellence and if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about these things. Keep on doing what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and then the God of peace will be with you. Notice what St. Paul says. Keep on doing what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. He imitated Christ. Jesus Christ crucified. So what they saw in Paul is what he saw in Jesus, who he encountered whenever Jesus Christ appeared to him. So what do we see in Jesus Christ? We see a man who is our Savior, who is our God, who also was betrayed by his bride, the church. Betrayed by his bride, the church. After everything he did for Peter and James and John, they betrayed him. They abandoned him, rejected him. Peter denied him not once twice, but three times, three times he denied him. And Jesus was humiliated and mocked and misunderstood. And on the cross, in the midst of that, he forgave. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus Christ is a God who forgave people unilaterally. Quite often people did not apologize for their sins. Whenever he encountered people uh, in their journey, uh, in his in his journey to Jerusalem, people were sick and suffering, and they would say, "Heal us!" Like they asked to be healed, and he would physically heal them. Then he would tell them, "Your sins are forgiven." But I didn't read in scripture where they said, "Oh, by the way, I'm sorry." They didn't apologize, and he still forgave. Whenever he was on the cross, and he said, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." Uh, Dismas did not apologize until after Jesus forgave him, and so your husband likewise might not uh, apologize until after you do penance for him, right? And what I mean is that in purgatory, like he will apologize. I'm sorry. I get it. I see the harm I caused you. I see how much I've hurt you. And I really am sorry. Jesus Christ uh, is inviting us as disciples to abide in him and to imitate him. 
And he says, I mean, what he went through is what we're going to go through. His bride, us, the church, have been unfaithful to him, and yet he's still faithful to us. I mean, look at Peter. How many times did Peter walk away from Jesus, and yet Jesus kept inviting him back? He does that with all of us, and he invites us to do that with each other. That does not mean we don't put up boundaries whenever we've been betrayed. That does not mean that we don't uh, separate ourselves from situations where we can be um, allowing someone to continue to live in sin. But, but it does mean that we do pray. We do fast. We do offer penance. So where is your peace going to come from? Sarah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's going to come from imitation of Jesus Christ crucified. Anytime in my life, whenever I have been betrayed or uh, just sinned against, uh, anytime I've tried to respond to evil apart from Christ, uh, I've just been filled with anxiety and anger and frustration and despair. But, but whenever I go against my flesh and what I really want to say and what I really want to do, what I really want to tweet, <laughs> and I choose to imitate Christ, even if it doesn't make sense when I choose to imitate Christ, it is then that I experience the most peace. And in addition to imitating Christ in prayer, whenever I am faithful also to going to you know receive counseling when necessary and therapy, then it is when I experience the most prayer. Right? Um, when I receive the Eucharist is when I receive the most peace. When I meditate on Scripture day and night is when I receive the most peace. So uh, as members of the body of Christ, if we ever try to act apart from Christ, there will be no peace. And so... How do you forgive your husband? Um, how do you release your pain to the Lord Jesus Christ? It's 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 not simple, but it is. It's simple as abide in Christ. Look at Christ. Reorient your attention away from the offense of the sin and look at Jesus. And then through the eyes of Jesus, look at the offense. After we look at him first. It's simple. Uh, and that we go to other people for counseling and therapy. We don't try to do this on our own. The remedy is simple in that we abide in the sacraments. It's simple in that we uh, reverence our emotions. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get sad. I'm going to cry. and I'm going to get mad. And that's good. That means I'm a, I'm a human being with raw emotions. And whenever I get sad and whenever I get mad, I'm going to go to Jesus. I'm going to perceive that to be an invitation from Jesus to go to him. To go to him. Also, uh, I encourage people in addition to prayer and counseling and offering penances for those who have offended us and imitation of what Jesus did for us as well, is to also go out of ourselves and serve other people. Uh, that's also another thing Jesus Christ crucified did. While he was on the cross, he was focused on serving other people, his mother Mary and John, and dismissed the good thief. And uh, So when we imitate Jesus and we serve others, and our pain and suffering is super helpful, right? So go out to other women and men and children who have been hurt and who have been abused and who have been neglected and who have been betrayed and serve them. There's just, um, there's a peace that we can experience. Even if it's temporary, there's a peace there. So again, Sarah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you've had to experience this pain, but you are not alone. You have a God who understands you more than I ever will. And his name is Jesus. And he's inviting you to, to just turn your eyes to him and to lean into him and to ask him for the grace to imitate him daily, daily. And you might be able to imitate him well today. And then tomorrow is a struggle. Then lean more into Jesus and serving others and sacraments and prayer and penance. And you're going to have your good days and your bad days. Um, but um, 
yeah, I, I'm so sorry, but I promise you that you have an intercessor in me now, and I will, um, I will join you in prayer. I will join you in prayer for your heart, for your healing, but also um, for your husband who who died after a sudden heart attack. <sighs> mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot. I'm yeah. Mm. That's a lot. Let's go ahead and um, let's go ahead and pray, Sarah. How about that? Let's just pray, and we'll 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 close out the show by by just praying together, by just praying together with each other. Okay. Hmm. 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 Yeah. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, please heal Sarah. Hmm. Heal her, Jesus. Be with her, Jesus. There's nothing, Lord, that you cannot heal. You know all things. You you can do all things. And Jesus, you love Sarah so much. Lord Jesus, we come before you right now with faith in your promises that whatever we ask in prayer, you will grant us if it will be for the good of our souls. And so right now, Lord Jesus Christ, I just come before you and I ask specifically for the healing of Sarah. Her mind, her memory, her emotions. Touch her, Lord, where she is hurting most right now. God, only you know what kind of healing she needs the most right now. Please let the grace of your divine love, Lord, just flow and spread to the different parts of of her body, reaching the inner recesses of her being. Comfort her in her pain and her anguish, Lord. Heal all the painful memories from the traumatic experiences that she endured in her marriage. Grant her the grace to abide with you in this season of suffering. Lord, Give her the grace to find joy and peace in her suffering in you. To recognize that there is a blessing and a victory that is awaiting her. And Father, as she is being healed, may she be a witness of your healing power and bring glory, honor, and praise to you. We ask this prayer, Father, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit. One God forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, y'all. I uh, I will be with you in prayer this week, and I can't wait to continue walking with you uh, in our walk toward eternity next week. Stay tuned to Ask Father Josh. God bless. <music>